Holy Spirit told me a long time ago, he said, we're coming into an age where believers need to learn how to be led by their spirit. And so we started this series called Spirit Led. And, and we talked for several weeks about different parts of how to be and, and being led by our spirit. You know, we are living a spiritual existence right here, right now. We don't live a spiritual existence when we get to heaven. You're living a spiritual existence now. Life is a spiritual existence. And uh, we've just, we've just relegated it down to the natural. Uh, before we jump into some things, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. I'm reading out of the Moffat translation. And uh, one thing, if you're new, you'll find that I use so many different translations. Somebody asked me one time, says, well, what is your Bible? I said, whatever one I can find that lines closest up to the original. <laughs> and so Moffat's translation of First uh, uh, Corinthians, sorry, chapter 2, verse 9, he says this, he said, no, as it is written, what no eye has ever seen, what no ear has ever heard, what never entered into the mind of man, God has prepared for those who love him. And God revealed it to us by the Spirit. So what has God revealed, or what is God revealing to us by the Spirit? What people haven't even dreamed up yet. Uh, those of us who are walking after the Spirit and walking in the things of the Spirit, we need to understand it should be our place to listen to the Holy Spirit and begin to hear things that man hasn't even dreamed up yet. The greatest place of creativity should come from those who are following Christ. We have the great creator always in connection. Come on. We're, supposed, we're the ones that are supposed to be awake to this stuff. And he says, and this God has revealed it to us by the Spirit, for the Spirit fathoms everything, even the deep, even the depths of God. So if the Holy Spirit thinks upon and ponders on and fathoms everything and he lives in you, then guess what's in you? Even the very depths of God. Amen. Even the, the, the deep things of God are already in you, Shirley. And he, he goes on to say, what well, we in verse 11, what human being can understand the thoughts of a man except that man's own inward spirit. So too, no one understands the thoughts of God except the Spirit. Well, good news is what? The Spirit is in you. So who can understand the thoughts of God? I wonder what God was thinking. How about just ask him? He lives in you in person of the Holy Spirit. How about just, I really want to know what God's thinking. You see, we've got this idea that God's out here somewhere and we're back here and we're trying to get there. No, God was out there. He came here and he brought all man in and unto himself. And now that we have been brought into the kingdom of God, all we have to do is ask him, what do you hear? What do you say? What do you hear? What do you say? Mm. <laughs> Ooh. We have now received the spirit of, 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 we have now received the spirit, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that comes from God, that we may understand what God bestows upon us. God wants to tell you his very deepest secrets. He wants to reveal to you the depths of the universe. And Holy Spirit, who has always been there, now resides in you who understands all these things. Folks, do you realize that you are 
Peter tells us this, that we are partakers. We are in partnership with the divine. We were created as part of the divine. You are connected to the divine. Mm. What do you mean we're connected to the divine? Man was created in the same category, in the same classification as God. Genesis chapter 1, it's not going to come up on the screen. He said, and let us make man in our... So guess who you're made and designed after? God. You were made and designed. He said, let us create mankind in our image and after our likeness. I, I like the way the message translation of that says. He says, and let us make man reflecting our nature. Let us make them godlike. Huh. That's who you really are. You really are tied to the divine. Peter says you are a partnership with the divine nature. You are a partaker of the divine nature. Verse 13, and back to 1 Corinthians chapter whatever, 2. And this is what we discuss. Using language taught by no human, wisdom but by the Spirit. See, this is how we're, we're supposed to be operating. We interpret what is spiritual in spiritual language. The problem is some of us has never been taught that we are spirit. And so when we see people who tap into certain spiritual things, we get weirded out and freaked out. Ooh, that's, that's spooky. Over the last few weeks that we've talked about God, we're in the same classification of God, created after God, div divinely connected. We looked at fleeces, how fleeces aren't, aren't scriptural, especially for a New Testament church. Well, I'm just going to put this fleece out before God, and God, if you do it, you will say, no, what we're saying is, God, if you perform for me, then I'll know it's you. But you have Holy Spirit within you. You don't need to put a fleece out to see what God's doing. All you have to do is just ask God. Hey God, I need an answer here. Well, sometimes he don't answer me. Yes, he does. Sometimes we don't listen real well. <laughs> Amen. So we looked at over like a couple weeks ago that how we can be led by the inward voice. That voice, you ever just, just, just had an unction? Is what they used to be called a lot. You just had this feeling. Oh, I just got, I just got this feeling. I got, and then all of a sudden, what you had a feeling of came to pass. You know what that was? That wasn't a premonition. That wasn't psychic power. That was Holy Spirit talking to your spirit. And the word says that he will show you things to come and he searches even the deep things of God. See, you are connected to the Holy Spirit. You are connected to the divine. And sometimes he will put an unction in you. We call it our conscience. We call it all kinds of different stuff. But he will put an unction in you. And you think, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. You ever just got up with somebody on your mind? And you could not shake that person off of your mind all day long? You know why? Holy Spirit brought them to you. Because he wanted you to pray for them, not just think about them. They might have been going through something right then and, he, and he's depending on you to speak into their life. And, and so last week we saw that not only can we be led by our inward voice, by the inward spirit, by our spirit, but we saw that how can we, we can be led by the scriptures. Sometimes the first and primary way he's going to speak to you is to your spirit. You can call it your heart, you can call it whatever you want. But he's going to speak in here. 
What comes out of Scripture will back up what he's already spoken to you. And sometimes even divine direction will be found when we pick up Scripture. I don't know how many times I've picked this thing up off Ted's lap. <laughs> I've picked this thing up and thought, man, God, I need you to speak to me. For some reason, I'm just not here. And I fly open a page and boom, it jumps right off a page. And right in the... Every time I read the Scripture, that's what I pray. Father, let this Word be alive. Your word, your, the Word says that your Word is alive. I said, let it jump off the page and into my spirit. I never go into Bible study and reading that I don't say, let it jump off the page and into my spirit. Because that's where I operate from. That's where we're all supposed to be operating from. And so today we're going to look at something a little different. I'm going to try to push through this thing. Because being led by the Spirit is not only for you. God wants us led by the Spirit, Bill, so that we can help others. And part of being Spirit-led is so you can be in touch with your Spirit so that He can show you how to help others. And so it, it's about what we're going to look at over the next three weeks. Uh, some of it is about helping others as much as it is helping us. Go, if you will, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 uh, we're going to read verses 14 through 18, and I'm reading out the Passion Translation for this. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. He said, and Peter stood up with the 11 apostles. Now, some groundwork. What happened here was there was 120 of them gathered in an upper room, and they were praying. And in the first part of chapter 2, it says, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and cloven tongues of fire appeared over all their heads, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Oh, now you done freaked me out, dude. You done started talking about, it, it's really not scary and it's not freaky if somebody had ever taught us right. Come on. And so they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm not going to go into that right now. And Peter stood up and he told the apostles and, and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, my fellow Jews, because when the Holy Spirit came, they, everybody else thought these guys were drunk. Oh, these guys are soused, they're wiped out, look at them. So there's something about being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in communion with the Holy Spirit. It can react on you. So if we're ever in service and you see somebody looking like, well, they look like they're stone plumb out of their head. They probably are. <laughs> it's called being in touch with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but I act a different way. I, not everybody's going to act the same. Not everybody's going to stagger and fall all over each other. But that's okay. Come on. Amen. Not everybody's going to get up and run around. But that's okay. <laughs> oh, it's getting deep now. See how quiet it got? <laughs> He said, listen carefully, my fellow uh, Jews and residents of Jerusalem, you need to clearly understand what's happening here. And this is why we're teaching this. Is over the next few weeks, and, and, and even in service, you will see people react different ways. It's so you will have a clear understanding of what's happening. He said, have a clear understanding of what's happening here. These people are not drunk like you think they are. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. He said, this is the fulfillment. So their reaction was fulfilling 
Old Testament scripture. Drunkenness in the Holy Spirit is a reaction of following the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. He said, but this is a fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel. For God says, it is what I will do in the last days. This is God saying what he will do. I will pour out my spirit on everybody. Glory. And I will cause your sons and daughters to prophesy. Yep, that's right, that's you. He said, and I'll call your sons and your daughters to prophesy. Your young men will see visions. This is all scriptural. Oh, these people are just weird. No, it's following what Holy Spirit designed for the New Testament church to look like. Amen. <laughs> Glory. Amen. He said, your, your, your sons and daughters will prophesy. So don't ever let somebody tell you that a, 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 a girl, a lady, a woman has no place in the church. <laughs> okay. Your young men will see visions. That means me. Well, how can that mean you? Because I'm younger than Jim Johnson. <laughs> and Jim Johnson's younger than somebody else. Come on. I'm younger than Ted. He said, your young men will see visions. Your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Folks, I want you to know right here, right now, there's no holding back what we hear at Harvest. We value the fact that God wants to speak through all his children. The word of God does not have to come from just me. Matter of fact, God's word for you may just come out of Maisie's mouth. Amen. Amen. God's word for you can come out. God speaks to all of us and he wants all of us to be able to speak into the lives of each other. When done in order. But we've, we've, what I found is, is we've got a lot of people in, in, in the church world today who's not been taught how to appropriately receive or even how to appropriately share the things that God gives them. And today, what I want to focus on is the three things, not, not today, over the next couple of weeks. What we're going to focus on is these things that Holy Spirit said he would lead his children by. And the first one was prophecy. So today you're going to hear maybe more teaching than preaching. But we're going to talk about prophecy. We're going to look at, okay, what is prophecy? Because when you start talking prophecy, people's brains immediately go to the book of Revelations. And they want to try to figure out, okay, this means this and this. Folks, I'm going to tell you the easiest way to figure out the book of Revelation. You ready? It's not hard. It's in the first verse. And this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. You, everything else in the rest of that book is to reveal Jesus. Why do the world, we want to try to find the end time, why do we want to try to find all that stuff? We're trying to look for everything but the answer to the book and the answer to the book is Jesus. And this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank you, David. 
So we're going to look at prophecy. And the first thing I want you to know about prophecy, let's define it. The prophecy is simply hearing from God. Prophecy is simply hearing from God. It is declaring his will. And it means to declare the revealed word of God, word from God, I should say. The revealed word from God, it's simply God speaking through men. Folks, you've got to understand, God wants to speak through you. You are put here for a reason. You're put here more than, for more than just looking pretty. You're, you're put here to be a mouthpiece of God. The problem is, is we don't listen for God to speak to us loud enough, and so we hold off. We think, well, preacher will preach it, or prophet will prophet it, and apostle will apostle it, and... We're waiting on everybody else to do the work when God's saying he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Everybody can hear from God. Everyone, and I'll read your scripture in a minute to prove it. Everyone of you in this room can prophesy and should be prophesying. Oh, glory. Man, I don't know. <laughs> Scribner's Dictionary says it's this. It says, prophecy is the authoritative announcement of the divine will in a particular case. So what is prophecy? It is the authoritative. Now, now see, here's the thing. A lot of people hear that and they think authority is yelling and screaming. Come on. Am I the only one that's ever been around that, Matt? We... I know none of y'all have ever listened to this kind of music. I'm just telling on myself, okay, Karen? All right? Motley Crue used to have a song. What? <laughs> Anybody ever heard of it? Okay. It was called Shout at the Devil. And that's fed right over into the church where we think all of our authority is in the volume of our voice and not in who God has made us to be. Authority is, mm -mm, I heard a clap. Authority is not in volume. Authority is in personage. And you have been given a divine connection to the vine, through, to the divine through your spirit. And now you walk in a complete authority over the enemy. You don't have to shout at him. And I know sometimes we get excited and we, because I do it too. We, we, we get our voice raised and everything else. But let's not understand, please don't understand that just because somebody's shouting means they're walking in more authority. Because I could outshout Maisie over here. But that doesn't mean I carry more authority in the spirit than her. Amen? So prophecy, as we're looking at this, and, and we're, we're going to study prophecy today. Prophecy is just simply when you hear from God. And he gives you a word. And maybe that word's for you, but maybe that word's for Tyler. Maybe that word's for Sally. Maybe you walk in and all of a sudden, Elizabeth catches your eye. And you keep finding yourself looking at her. And you're like, why am I staring at Elizabeth? Why am I? And all of a sudden, God, you start hearing something. Now, well, what is that? That's probably Holy Spirit leading you to go over and prophesy over her. Amen? Well, see, what is prophecy? Prophecy is simply hearing what God's saying right now and speaking it. 
And I'm telling you folks right here, for those of us that are in this thing, you can hear from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Yeah, verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Anybody ever had that happen to you? You're just like, why do I want to say this to them? Why do I just want to tell somebody, man, you need to have a good day. You're okay whether you believe it or not. I was going into Walmart. Y'all have heard me tell this story here in Cambridge a while back. And I passed this young man as he was coming out. And uh, as soon as I went by him, ooh, there it was. I felt that check right in my, right in my, right here. The Holy Spirit says, I want you to go and prophesy to him. Well, you don't know him. I don't have to know him. Holy Spirit knows him. He came straight out of heaven just like I did. <laughs> you know, all life comes from God, right? And so I'm going by and, 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 and poor D, she just walks on. She didn't even know I turned around. And I catch him as his friend is picking him up at the front door. And I'm standing in front of his car. Now you can imagine how he felt. Back then, I think I had my beard. So that just added to the pleasure of this big giant guy with a beard down to here standing in front of your car saying, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> and he just rolls his window down. And, and, and I, I didn't know what I was going to say, Tina. I just know the Holy Spirit told me to go talk to him. I said, hey, man. I said, I don't know you. I don't know where you're at with God. I don't really care where you're at with God. God help me here. Amen? Amen. I said, but God has something to say to you. I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. I believe that God speaks to people and I believe that he wants to speak to you and I heard something. And, and I begin to say something and before I realize I'm talking about the hurts of his father and I'm talking about the hurts of his past and here's this young guy. He's crying. The guy driving the car is going like, what in the world is happening here? I don't get what's going on. I said, I just want you to know you've not been left out. You've not been forgotten that your father in heaven, I don't know what your father in earth was like, but I'm telling you, your father in heaven loves you and he's just waiting for you to turn around and realize he's there. Well, then what'd you do? Did you pray for him? Nope. Well, why not? Because he told me to prophesy to him. He didn't tell me to pray for him. That's Holy Spirit's job. Him and Holy Spirit can work. I guarantee he did not forget that. Amen. That's, that's between him and Holy Spirit to go back and work that out. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 31, he said in the Passion Translation, for you can all prophesy in turn in an environment where all present can be instructed, encouraged, and strengthened. Now today, I'm talking about prophecy in the life of everybody. I'm not talking about the office of a prophet. But prophecy that operates in all of us are going to contain three particular things. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. <laughs> I'm talking about the simple... Folks, you hear God. When you lay down at night, you hear God. People say, I, Scott, I don't know why people say it all the time. I just haven't heard God. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. 
It's either in your spirit or through the word. You've heard him speak. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 14, verse 1, in uh, New King James, he says, pure love and, or pure love, shoot, it doesn't say that at all, does it? Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So if we're going to be Christians, he wants us to pursue love at all costs, but he also wants you to desire to be spirit-led. But desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. He wants you to have spiritual gifts. He wants you to have all of them. What's the best spiritual gift? Thank you. Thank you, the one needed at the time. But he says, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy. Prophecy is something that is not just innate in pastors or prophets or apostles or evangelists or people, your Sunday school teachers or whatever. Prophecy is for the entire body of Christ. He said, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So when we're praying in tongues, who are we talking to? God. We'll teach on that another day. Well, that shouldn't freak you out. I'm just talking to God. It's an A-B conversation. <laughs> Amen. He said, for he that speaks in a tongue speaks to God. Does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies... And these are the three things that we're going to look at today. He who prophesies, who has a word for someone, speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. So when we are beginning, when we prophesy to people in a New Testament church, now I'm not talking about the office of a prophet, but I'm talking about everyone here as a believer. Everyone here that that's understands who you are and is awakened to this great salvation that is ours, you can all prophesy. And words of prophecy are going to be edification, exhortation, and comfort. Well, I don't even know what those words are. I'm glad you ask. Let's look at edification. Edification. Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines edification as this. It is a building up. So when you prophesy and you have a word for someone, it's going to be a word that builds them up. He says, it's for building up. It is in a moral or religious sense. It's an instruction, an improvement. So a, a, a prophetic word is, may have instruction in it, but it's going to be a, an instruction that's going to build the person up, not tear the person down. Folks, I'm going to tell you, you settle this. God has something good to say to everybody. Amen. I don't care where they're at in life. I keep going back to the time I asked the uh, leader of the Satanist church to meet me for lunch. And I told him, no attempts to convert one way or another. So just two men getting to know each other course I was going to unleash the Holy Spirit on him but because I had a word for him respond not happened I'll just tell you that he just didn't respond to me but I'd still welcome it but he says here edification is building someone up it is encouraging them um, it is improvement it is a progress of the mind and knowledge and morals and faith and holiness 
It is simply encouragement. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 from The Voice. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, So support one another. How can you support one another? When God, folks, let me tell you something. If God tells you to tell me something, please don't hold back. I miss that. Well, that's pastor. You know, we can't say nothing to pastor. He knows it all. No, he don't. Well, he hears from God and walks with God all the time, and he blows it all the time. <laughs> Come on. Amen. How do you know? <laughs> I want to hear what, if God is a word for you, and you said, I, I really need to tell you this. Okay, you'll see me. Sit down. I want to hear it. He says, so support one another. Keep building each other up. This is prophecy. Folks, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus anyhow, according to, what is that, Revelation? So it's testifying of Jesus. He said, so support one another. Keep building each other up as you have been doing. Go back to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 12. I think this is the voice as well. It is the same way with you. In your passion for spiritual gifts, seek to strengthen the community of believers and you will be better off. Folks, you are living so far below your means if you don't allow Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you so that you can begin to strengthen, build up, and bless each other. If Carol keeps her mouth shut, we're all weaker. Why? Because I need to hear what Holy Spirit's saying to her. If, if Bill never speaks up, I'm missing out. Well, Holy Spirit will show it to you later. Yeah, you will. But I want to hear it from his voice. I want to hear how he interprets that. You see, we shorten each, we shortchange each other by not being led by, you should walk around all the, you should walk into sheets today going, okay, Holy Spirit, do I need to talk to somebody? You got something to say to anybody? You, you just tell me, just point me in the right direction. All you gotta do is point me in the right direction, I'll open my mouth. But that's scary. People will think I'm weird. You probably will never see them again anyhow. Kids are always embarrassed. You know why? Because as we get older, we realize it don't matter. But God wants to use you to speak to people. He don't want to just, well, I'll take you to my pastor. That's great. I love it. I love it when people do that. And I love it and I'll sit and I'll talk to people. But you know what? God is wanting you to speak to them. He's wanting you to bless them. He's wanting you to hear from heaven to get into their spirit. Don't be afraid to speak what you hear. Now ask them for it. I asked the guy in the car on Walmart that day. I said, can I just, I said, I believe that God speaks. And I have, I, I have, I believe God wants to say something to you. Can I tell you? Well, of course, look at me. Who's going to tell me no? <laughs> He's like, well, yeah, you kind of got a hold of my car door now anyhow. So. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter four, verse 12, 14, sorry, verse 12. It is the same with you in your passion for spiritual gifts. Seek to strengthen the community of the believer. Folks, the ultimate goal 
of prophecy is not to freak you out. The ultimate goal of every believer is to build up and strengthen the entire body of Christ. And you have the ability to speak something into someone's life today that they wouldn't have heard had you not opened your mouth. We spend too much time tearing people down or listening to people get tore down. Just look straight ahead or you don't think I'm talking about you. We, spend, we see too much time, Dan, of gossip. We see too much time of judging when God says at all possible, build up the community, strengthen those. And your words of prophecy will strengthen those. So if it's not edification, if it's not building it up, probably it's not prophecy. But what if it comes across as an instruction? That'll be fine. It better have an, if it happens an instruction, it better have a happy ending on the end of it. How many of you know God's all about the happy ending? Come on. It's, it's his will that no one should perish, but that all have everlasting life. That's his will, right? He's all about the happy endings. It's what we do with this stuff. Holy Spirit said to uh, Larry Randolph one time, he said this, one of the greatest ministries you can ever possess is the ministry of encouragement. In a world without hope, people need the affirmation of my love. Signs, wonders, miracles, healings, and teachings are important, but secondary to the commission of encouragement. Encouragement is the motivational force behind the ministry of Jesus. He should always be the priority to all Christians. So bless rather than curse. Build up where others have torn down. And always use your gift for the edification of mankind. Now things that I have seen through words of prophecy, of just listening to Holy Spirit, having, oh, so, oh, I have a word for this person. There's a girl came into our clinic one time, as most of you know, I was a substance abuse counselor for about 14 years. They called me in because she was manifesting a demon. It wasn't her voice coming out of her mouth. I mean, it was full on. Oh, you believe in that? Absolutely. I'm like, I ain't living this world or not. So they called her in and they were expecting me to come in as the preacher on staff to wrestle this thing around, Bob, and throw it out. She'd been intoxicated. She was cutting herself, fresh blood still under bandage, threatening suicide. And uh, I walk in the room and I sit down and all of a sudden she gets quiet. You realize that that's the same authority you have, right? When you walk into the room, you walk in the authority of heaven itself. And she gets quiet. And some people there are like, oh, here it goes. This is going to be fun. They came for a show. And all of a sudden, I just reached over and I took her by the hands. And I began to prophesy life. And begin to prophesy over how much God loved her. How much the enemy is lying to her. And just be, as I begin to prophesy, you watch the enemy just leave her. And you watch her eyes come back to their normal color. And she starts smiling. And she said, nobody's ever told me 
about this God. See, sometimes we don't have to go in and make a ruckus. Sometimes we just need to go in and prophesy, edify, build her up, strengthen her. That day, she prayed. I got to introduce her to the Jesus she never knew. The Jesus who always loved her. The Jesus who always cared for her. The Jesus who gave himself for her and included her into himself. But she never realized he was right there all along. See, prophecy can change suicidal minds. I was walking through Walmart one day and, and, and this guy comes by and all of a sudden I get this check again. Right in my spirit, Elizabeth. And I turned around and said, hey man, what's going on? What do you mean what's going on? I said, buddy, I, I don't know where you are with God. I don't care where you are with God. I said, but God's got something to say to you and he told me to come back here and just ask you, is everything okay? And he began to break down and begin to weep. And he said, no, my wife left me. I came home and found her stuff packed. She's gone. He said, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, I'm actually going to buy enough stuff to kill me tonight. I didn't try to cast a suicidal demon out of her, out of him. I didn't try to cast the alcohol off of him. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to talk to me about love that can no man can tame. A love that has pursued him way before she pursued him. A love that will chase him down to the very ends of the earth. And as I began to talk to him about the love of God, I watched as his life, he just relaxed. <laughs> Folks, it's your job. It's my job. It's our job to do this. You hear from God. Don't be afraid to edify. Folks, we, we live in a world of enough negative. I've seen it restore marriages. See, here's where the problem comes in. Here's where the problem comes in. You will struggle with edification inside of prophecy unless you develop a few things. If, if you don't develop these next few things, you're going to struggle with the edification side of prophecy. First, you have to have an unwavering, an unshakable, unwavering belief that God is love. Not God does love, not God tries to love. God is love. It's who he is. And you'll struggle with prophesying people and edifying someone because they may not be awakened to salvation yet if you are not sure 100% that God is love. Because what we want to do is we want to judge their behaviors. We want to judge their actions. We want to judge their shortcomings. But love, in, in, in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, said, Beloved, let us love one another, for he that loveth God, he that knoweth God, yeah. He that loveth is born of God. He that loves not does not know God, for God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Verse 16, he repeats, it says, God is love. God doesn't try to love humanity. God is love, and because of his love, he just loves humanity. So it should be easy to prophesy edification to everybody, but if you're unsure of that, it'll be a lot easier to judge You have to have a, not only an unshakable belief that God is love, but you have to have an unwavering knowledge that God is not angry. 
Can God get angry? Yes. But God's not angry. That's why he sent Jesus, that we walk in a place where Jesus constantly reminded us that he is a father. See, if you, if you live out, we talk, Ted and I talk about this all the time. Even God's judgments come from a place of love. Well, how do you, how do you judge from love? Well, that'll wreck your brain. But if you look at the Old Testament, without the lens of the cross, come on somebody. If you look at the Old Testament, you'll see a God who wants this and, and it seems mean and appears mean. And all, but you see, we have the lens of the cross where Jesus has taken away all of that. Oh my goodness. Through the cross. And so now when we look at the old covenant, we look through the lens of the cross. And as we look through the lens of the cross, we see that Jesus fulfilled all there was to do that brought curses. He destroyed the curses. And he left us to walk in the blessing. So why are so many people still living in curses? Because no one ever told them they're free. Oh, mercy. No one's ever told them they're free. That's what prophecy does. It builds them up. It declares freedom. And you have to have an understanding that God's, that as God's mouthpiece, it is our job to properly speak like he would. He would do it with love. Ephesians chapter four. Folks, I'm gonna tell you, I love preaching this because Idra, I've been accused of preaching too happy of a Christianity. I preach too happy of a gospel, Scott. Well, when I realize that the curse has been lifted and there's no more curse and that I'm free, I can't help but be happy. When I realize that God is love, I can't help but be happy. And I realize that the only reason somebody is still walking in their curse is because nobody's ever told them how much God loves them and I've got the easy answer. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 it's just too happy had somebody say it can't be that easy God never intended you to work for it anyhow as if you could do anything about it <laughs> glory to God let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good and necessary for edification, building up. That's what it means. Let nothing come out of your mouth except what? What builds up. What improves. What progresses in the mind. Encourages. But it is necessary for edification that you may impart grace to the hearer. If it doesn't build up, it's not imparting grace. And if it's not imparting grace, it ain't God. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. And us good, old-fashioned, charismatic, Pentecostal crazies. We hang on to that. See, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And you don't, you grieve in the Holy Spirit by not letting people pray in tongues and by not doing it. No, when he's talking about grieving the Holy Spirit, it's all about how you are dealing with people. If you go on and read verse 31, he'll say, do away with all malice and anger, and bitterness, and backbiting. These are the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay, go on, that's not popular at all. 
So, we're, so first off, when I prophesy to you and I give you a word from God, it's going to have edification in it. It's going to build you up. Second thing it's going to have, and I'm trying to hurry, guys, it's going to have exhortation. You say, what in the world is exhortation? Well, it's a lot like edification in that it's encouragement, but it's deeper. Webster says that to, uh, edific, exhortation is to encourage or to embolden. So when I prophesy someone, one, they should be built up, and then they should be emboldened to go forward with their life with God. Mm. Means to encourage, it means to embolden, it means to cheer, it means to advise. So a prophecy should be cheering someone on. <laughs> the primary sense seems to be to excite to give strength, spirit, or courage. So when we're prophesying over people, first it should build them up, then it should excite them. You ever had somebody prophesy over, to, over you and you weren't built up and you weren't excited at the end of it? He was like, I'm just a worm, man. This is awful. Man, I didn't know, God, I didn't know you were so ticked off at me. Jeez Louise, I guess I just can't do anything right. Then that wasn't prophecy. Edification, exhortation. Thayer's calls it a calling near, an admonition, an encouragement, a consolation, a comfort. It is persuasive discourse and a stirring address. Exhortation is simply the crying out of the message that God has given you. Jeremiah tried one time not to speak and he said, I couldn't hold it in anymore. He said, God, your word was like a fire. Shut up in my bones. I'm telling you, when God awakens you to somebody and he puts Alice on your mind and he starts saying, you need to go talk to Alice. What am I going to say when I get there? Don't worry about it. Just go talk to Alice. Why? God, I don't know. Just go talk. It should burn you up to you. Absolutely. Just can't stand it anymore. I got to let this out. It, 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 it would behoove you when prophesying to stay away from harsh ultimatums, okay? Prophecies that present God as being eternally angry, intolerant, unmerciful, or ready to kill, that doesn't encourage, edify, and exhort, it's not prophecy according to the word. And again, I'm talking about prophecy that operates in the church among every believer. God is a God of love. He motivates out of love. It's Satan who puts fear in people. Word says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So it's stealing and it's killing and it's destroying. It's not God. Acts chapter 11. We're almost there. Prophecy. Everybody, you should hear God. Hear the Holy Spirit speak to you. What did I say? Acts chapter 11, verse 23. And when he came, he had seen the grace of God, and he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. What was he doing? He was prophesying. He was encouraging them. Now, folks, people's going to say this. You know, Ted brought it out last week in, in, on Wednesday night. Well, you're just giving people a license to sin. How many of you know nobody needs a license to sin? <laughs> Nothing I can say can give you that license. You're just going to do what you're going to do. Amen? And, and people say, well, if it's not a harsh word, then you're never going to correct sin. I corrected my kids all the time without ever beating them. 
tell me God can't correct me in a good word. Don't tell me God can't correct me in a way that I'm not afraid of him anymore. God's character. See, when we, when we begin to prophesy, we've got to understand, we can't misrepresent God's character with that he, with, by our speech. Now, if I'm talking to a room full of believers in here, this is your challenge. Start listening for God to speak to you to speak to someone else. It's not my job. Last one, prophecy should edify, build up, should exhort, should loudly embolden someone to go on and encourage them. And finally, it says that prophecy should comfort. It says, he that prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. Webster says, comfort means to invigorate, to cheer up, to enliven, to strengthen the mind when depressed or feeble, to console, to give new vigor to the spirit, to cheer, to relieve from depression or trouble. That which gives strength or support in distress, difficulty, danger, or infirmity. That's what the word prophecy should do. That which gives strength. I don't know how many times I've had people sit down with me and they want to complain about church so-and-so because they saw that they prophesied over a group of people that was totally rejecting Christ. That was totally rejecting Jesus. And they, you know, they, pro they prophesied good stuff over them. That ain't God. Really? Really? Because it says prophecy is edification, building somebody up. It's encouraging someone and it's putting strength in them. It's comforting them. That's how God wants us to prophesy to people. No more gloom. No more doom. No more despair. Sorry, hee-haw just went through my head. <laughs> See, ah, it did Sandy too. You some of y'all, and there's the young ones in here going, what in the world's hee-haw? I don't want it. It's okay. Comfort is foundational to prophetic ministry. Second Corinthians <coughs> chapter one, verse three and four. We're bringing this down now. All praises belong to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look what this says about him. This is what we have to do. We, this, is the, this is the Father we portray. He is the Father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. Well, when are you going to address sin? God will make time for that. He'll make time for it. And when it's time, you know, sometimes I'm waiting for me to address the own stuff in my own life too. I know nobody ever has that, right? Thank you, Matt. He said, he is the God of tender mercy. He is the father of endless comfort. 
He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. So he comforts us so that we can in turn prophesy and comfort others. Mm. So that we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. We can bring them this same comfort that God has poured into us. This is what prophecy is for. So don't freak out. If next week somebody walks up to you and says, man, I can't, I've thought about this all week and I've got something I need to say to you. And you begin to speak out of the very heart of God. You say, but I don't even know them. You don't have to know them. Holy Spirit knows them. All you have to do is be willing to speak. First Thessalonians chapter five, and this is it. Verse 11. This is prophecy. We had a prayer team here that we we're getting ready to start back up. And they will be ready to hear from God for you, with you, not for you. Nobody should hear from God for you. <laughs> But they'll hear from God with you. One of their things that, that we've trained them in is prophesying. And they've had this exact, work, this exact teachings, what I'm giving you right now is the exact thing I taught. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another. See, they go hand in hand. Just as you are doing. Now we exhort you. All of it's it right there. This is prophecy. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. Amen. This is prophecy. The simple gift of... Now, I'm not talking about a prophet. I'm not talking about the office of a prophet. That's a whole different thing with a whole different mindset. But if we're going to prophesy in the church, surely... It needs to come from a place of edification, exhortation, and comfort. And with that, people will know that they are loved by an eternal father, that he's eternally going to comfort them, and that he has got more in store for them than they ever dreamed they was in store for themselves. And all the while, you know what you're doing? You're just being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. Amen? Let's pray about it. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you today. We thank you, Father, for um, giving us this word. We know that it's, it's, it's prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And I thank you that you are testifying of yourself in this right now. And Father, we glorify you and we praise you. And Father, I ask that you just open our hearts up, open our spirits up, that we can hear you so clearly from the youngest in this room in this building to the oldest let us hear you and be open to give the words that you have for us in Jesus name amen